Clubhouse. Welcome to Decorating the Set from Hollywood to Your Home with your hosts, Beth Kushnick and Caroline Daly. Hey, Beth. Caroline, I'm so excited to be back for season three. Yay! I'm super glad we get to pick back up exactly where we left off with our Frontline Workers Hero Contest. You know, we got a lot of input when we put out a call to frontline workers. We ended up going with the most beautiful letter written by a husband of one of our frontline workers who's a nurse at Sloan Kettering in New York. My wife Katie is a registered nurse. She has been working tirelessly to treat cancer patients throughout the pandemic. She is up early to commute from Staten Island into New York City, almost always staying late after her shift and getting home even later at night. I, too, am a frontline worker, and because Katie and I spend so many hours working, the time spent on transforming our fixer-upper of a house has been put on the back burner. Winning this contest would be a dream come true, because we are using all hand-me-down dining room furniture still. During the pandemic, our dining room has become a central location as we are always hosting family for dinner. It would be great to have a newly transformed space that we can continue to host in. We would also love the opportunity to have a consultant help design our dining room. Thank you for considering, Katie. That was such a beautiful letter from Andrew, and I'm really excited to bring you guys an interview with myself and Beth and Katie um, later on in this episode, and we will get a chance to hear a lot more about your huge reveal and how fantastic it all went. Yes, we're going to cover it on my Instagram as well. You'll be able to see before and after pictures. Very exciting. And I know, she, and this is just a teaser, y'all. She said she's even going to send us some pictures of decorating for the holidays. So I'm excited to see how her sort of everyday look morphs for the holidays. Okay, Beth, take me back to when you had your first opportunity to get into private clients, because that's something that I think that most of us don't get an opportunity to really think about for set design. Like, you know, we're like, okay, so you work on movies or TVs or commercials, you know, that you really don't think about the fact that you do have an opportunity to work with private clients clients. So how does it work? I was kind of in a situation where I was always doing things simultaneously because the bulk of my clients really came from actors and directors and producers seeing how quickly I could turn a set around and deciding, hey, this could work for me in my home. Since they see me every day on set, they actually kind of entice me to do what we call <laughs> government work. <laughs> What's that about? Well, you know, government work is when you're working on two jobs at once. It's always been extremely successful for me to be able to communicate with an actor or an actress, you know, while I'm on the same job with them, helping them with their interiors, especially 
when it comes to people behind the scenes and in front of the camera who really appreciate what I do. Sometimes their connection to me is because they like a certain look that I provide. And sometimes it's about being able to turn something around so quickly. When the millennium New Year's Eve happened, I ended up getting a call from a studio in Los Angeles for a famous couple who were going to pretty much redesign their entire living room and dining room for a private party. They wanted it done by a set decorator. That was a job myself and my crew pulled off in between working Christmas right right up to New Year's Eve. I've been in a lot of interesting situations. I can imagine that uh, you're like a doctor where like as soon as someone finds out you're a doctor, they're like, can you look at this rash? I feel like the second that they see your work, they're like, I have this room. Would you personally like give me some advice? Like, how do you get even those people to kind of like morph into like, this is like your actual job. So let's like treat this properly. So actually, Caroline, it does really end up being kind of blurred lines, you know, what I'm doing for the show and maybe sometimes what I'm doing for a private client, especially when we're working on the same job. Beth, when we start with private clients, I know that there must be like a checklist of things that you do or or how you approach things. I know you're a very methodical lady, so I feel Mm -hmm. confident that you have a way that you approach this, especially for those people out there who are thinking, man, I would really love to get into this line of work. Where do you even begin? I do kind of approach it the same way that I approach approach breaking down a script or, you know, looking at a commercial, anything I do really starts with the character. So usually pre-COVID, I would go and see a person's home. Now I do a lot more stuff just by photographs, but, you know, very quickly I can get an understanding of how they live what part of their home they spend the most time in, how much money we're going to put into this redo. Some redos are as simple as reupholstering some older pieces of furniture. You know, there's no paint or contractor involved. There's no kind of heavy-duty work. It's just pure decorating. And sometimes it can be a total gut renovation starting from the ground up. That's so interesting, Beth, because even you just saying that, that, that kind of like makes me take a step back and say like, okay, so people do hire decorators not to just rip it to the studs because they think that's what we all see on TV. They come in, they rip it down to everything. It's very rare to see an example where a decorator would come in and simply just touch certain parts of the room. What do you find that's more, more common where you're just touching like certain parts or reupholstering or where you are having to take it down to the studs? It's really 50-50. It depends on if somebody, one of my clients is staying in that apartment or that home, if they're moving and starting from scratch. I kind of run the gamut, you know, depending on who's calling me and for what. Sometimes I just get a call from people who want me to deal with their artwork come and see all the art. Let's talk about what may need reframing. Let's purchase new art. Let's hang things properly with the right person, with me directing. There are all different kinds of needs that people find themselves having. It's interesting in a way because it usually for me generates from either 
a recommendation from a client I've had in the past or from an actor or actress seeing something right in front of them on set and feeling really drawn to it. Sometimes it comes from some of my vendors, people that I've worked with in the past who, for instance, John Koch, my favorite antique store, he has clients looking at things and asking him for references to an interior designer. And my jobs kind of come from all over the place. Even from this podcast, I've been called to do some work for people who want to restyle or redecorate their Zoom background. Just what we started talking about in season one has now kind of become a niche market. (laughs) And uh, I've had a couple of clients recently, and I think we've worked extremely successfully to turn them into legit Zoom experts. (laughs) By, you know, putting them in a background that really visually supports what their business is and who they're interacting with. Beth, you just said so many gems there. I'm like, my heart is like beating faster (laughs) Um, because no, honestly, we're in the early (laughs) moments of season three. I know I want to highlight some of those for our listeners. So one of the things that I think that happens all the time is there's people who feel like I have a general idea of what I want to do with my space. I don't need a decorator. I know the paint color I want. And I generally have maybe a couple pieces of furniture. What I'm hearing you say is that's great. Go as far as you can go. But when you get stuck, and all of us do, don't feel odd about taking that opportunity to hire a decorator and have them come in at whatever stage you get stuck at. Very true. What if I get to this point and then I just need help with the art? People just abandon the project and they're like, oh, well, I can't figure out the art. And they don't think, no, that's the time to bring in the decorator. Get get you unstuck, if you will. Well, you know why it works is because I personally, and I know other interior designers, we work either on an hourly for certain jobs, or we work, you know, by giving you, let's say a weekly rate or a a per entire job from start to finish rate. The fact that most decorators will do an hourly, there's even accessible to many, many people, decorators online who offer services where You can communicate with them, uh, almost telemed, you know, the way that you would talk to your doctor. I've done, you know, a number of consultations in that way. And reminder to our listeners that that's something that you are doing for our listeners, like send in a picture or send us a video and Beth can give you that little nugget of, of information that's going to help you get unstuck. Yes, I am willing to look at anyone's, any room, anything. (laughs) Don't you send us anything. (laughs) We only see room pictures, but but for sure. That's such an amazing reminder to listeners that you don't have to necessarily take the project from zero to finished with a decorator. You may just go back through and have them just troubleshoot like you do every day on a set. Yes. I also have the ability to use vendors who are more adept at turning things around quickly. I personally extend my trade discount to my clients. You know, it's it's pretty much a win-win situation in the end. 
I think it's a hard thing for a designer to really bill for all the time they put into a project. I, I know that I'm guilty of once that project has started, I can't stop thinking about it. So it doesn't matter if it's a Saturday or a Sunday, or if I'm not working that particular day on that particular project. I'm it's it's always in my mind's eye and in my you know visual periphery. I'm 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 always looking and thinking about that client or that job or that item that I'm searching for. It's kind of the decorator obsession. <laughs> well, and I'm going back to your tips from season one in my head about, and I believe we continued them through season two, about carrying around that tape measure and making sure that you have measurements like on hand. In my notes on my phone, I have the different openings in my house that I want a different door for or a different a different curtain or whatever. And so I have the measurements in my phone. So if I find myself in a situation where I'm in it, antique store and I'm like, I wonder if this would work. I'm not stuck with nothing. I'm because I'm like you. I'm continuously thinking about projects that are going on. And so that was such a great tip when you're like, where's your tape measure? You should have it in your purse. You should have it on your body and all your measurements so that you can act on things like that. Yes. I will admit to my own decorating dilemma that just happened yesterday. Oh, I uh, want to hear. For, for many years, certainly all through middle school and high school, by the door of my apartment, I had a, a nice calendar hanging that we would write my daughter's schedule on, you know, lots of things to juggle. Every year since then, I would buy that same calendar, really nice calendar on a newsprint. It was just good looking graphically. I really liked it. And it was extremely functional. And my daughter's been in college now a number of years. And I, I passed that calendar every day as I go in and out of my apartment. And I suddenly thought, I don't need that calendar up anymore because she's grown up and uh, I'm not managing her schedule anymore. So what would I, the mom, but the decorator want to see in that perfect little piece of wall there so I ran and got my tape measure and decided that you know I'm I'm on the hunt now for the perfect mirror which happens to be a standard size but I know myself well enough to know that I probably won't find anything and I'll end up at my framer picking out the frame that I like and and having a mirror made for that spot. Good but lord, Beth. I didn't <laughs> even know that was a thing. You can have a framer make you a mirror? Of course. Oh my Of course, gosh. and then you can get it any size you want. There are great spaces that, you know, might only hold a square versus a ready-made rectangle. It's a place where you might want a mirror and you just go to your frame shop and pick out a frame. It, it has to be usually, you know, a bit of a substantial frame to hold the mirror. But yes, framers also can make mirrors. That is such a good tip because many of us might have something like an old piece of art that's all tattered and no good anymore, but we love the frame. Oh, yeah. This is an idea to use that. Yep. Look at you. See, this is the other thing that decorators can bring to you, you guys. Thinking about things outside the box. You don't just have to go to your big box store. You can actually make things that are far more personal and fit your space just perfectly, which I 
Love, love, love. Okay, Beth. So the biggest question that I feel like people are coming into these types of projects with is how much money am I going to have to spend to make a real impact in my home? Trying to think about how do I even begin to set my budget? Where do I even start? What kind of tips do you have for setting our budget? And, and what's realistic for how much we need to allocate to different projects within a room? You know, I work high-low. I work every kind of budgets. I work with people who have massive amounts of money to spend where money is not an issue. And I work with regular people like myself uh, where, you know, budget is a concern. Again, I break down the job. By this point, I'm pretty adept at being able to tell you what something is going to cost and usually hit my mark completely. I do think if you're going to hire a decorator, even for doing one project, like dealing with artwork or just painting or reupholstering, that you need to probably add 10 to 15% to your budget of what you have in mind for their fee and for expenses. I always like to use the money that will make the items last the longest, that will have the most impact on the room. And when I say high-low, for instance, I have plenty of clients who would like to spend $10,000 on a sofa and it would be nothing to them. And then I have clients who have kids and who don't want to make that kind of investment at this point in their life. That's fine because there's always the low version, the $3,000 version of the $10,000 sofa. You know, the issue right now with the supply chain is what's available. I'll tell you that this year, I think I've done reupholstery and used my fantastic upholsterer more than I ever have. That's something that can make a massive change and a difference, you know, just taking a piece and having it redone, restuffed, refabricated, redone completely. It is really having a new sofa or chair delivered to your house. And you can have it so personally customized for your paint or for your design of the room. Generally, you can choose something. You can have those bones of that couch that you still love. But sometimes it can be impossible to find that certain something out there in the stores. But if you could just go to the fabric store and be able to choose, you know, the thing that just works so perfectly, especially with a decorator helping, yep. it just brings it all together. And you're not waiting on shipping a couch from, you know, millions of miles away. Not only that, you can choose more than one fabric. Let's say you walk into your living room and the viewpoint as you enter is the back of two chairs. You know, that's your floor plan and it works. You can have an upholsterer redo a chair with one fabric on the back and another fabric on the front, you know, companion fabrics. What? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that is truly a custom piece that wow. you know nobody else is going to have. You can have an upholsterer take one fabric and redo a whole chair or sofa or settee and use another fabric for the piping that goes around that piece. Again, pure custom work that in the end, what I've been finding is I've been buying some pieces at outlets because they're on the floor, they're available immediately. I send them to my upholsterer and 
are redone so quickly and so beautifully with such precision that, you know, they look like a piece that I might have ordered with a six-month turnaround. And so good to remember that, uh, you know, I know I can feel some of our listeners maybe bristle at that 10 to 15% that you're adding in the budget. But I want to remind you guys that for one, just the mental peace of mind that you have someone there with you helping you make decisions and helping you find these way outside the box ideas, like you're just describing of having two different fabrics on the chair. These are things you're never going to find. And if you were to find something even remotely like that, how much would you be paying versus you being able to actually choose the fabrics and be able to do this yourselves with professional help? There's something to that that I just, I can't underscore enough because I feel like our listeners are like, oh, 10 to 15%. No, that was, that's like too much. How much time are you saving yourself? You're also getting access to vendors that are open only to the trade. You know, I can take a client into a, a fabric showroom that they don't sell directly to the average person. They need to have a trade account assigned to whatever order is done. And in that way, your choices expand enormously. Okay, Beth, so break down an average budget for us. Well, let's base this on on a living room, you know, that's completely empty room that we want to replace everything. Usually furniture, uh, the sofa itself is the most expensive piece. I'm all for purchasing a sofa that is from a, a middle of the road company. So it's not the cheapest sofa available. It's not the most expensive sofa available. It's something solid and with fabric that will wear well throughout many years. If you go to a showroom and you sit down on a sofa and even though it's really comfortable and you stand up and you look back, those pillows are filled with wrinkles and you got to puff up that sofa every time you stand up. That's not going to be a sofa that you want to purchase. In layman's terms, if you still see your butt print, oh, that's, that's bad. no good. <laughs> that's no good. That's, that's seriously damaging to the decorator psyche. <laughs> so think about the usage. That is a practical budget tip that I can give you. Think about how you live, how much usage where you sit all the time, what kind of damage you can do to that piece of furniture between your pets, your kids. Sometimes people sit and live in one spot. I can say that one side of my bed happens to be my full-time kind of office and living space. And, you know, it takes its toll on whatever that space is. Think about wear and tear. The biggest portion you're carving out is for furniture, in that way, I think it's always best to approach all of this in a high-low concept. We've talked about this before. I would spend money on window treatments. I think they make a huge difference when they're hung properly, when you purchase something that might be a little bit more expensive with uh, a little bit higher quality fabric. That can affect the whole light in the room. So I think that's very important. 
to, you know, spend more on versus other concepts. Certainly paint is cheap and cheerful and can make a massive difference. Now there are so many wallpapers available at much lower prices. And there are wallpapers that have this peel and stick that you can hang yourself. So you don't even really have to employ a wallpaper hanger. Which is huge. It is big. And especially for our renters who are listening, who want to make that difference, but don't, can't go permanent. Yes. There are items that are available at big box home decor stores that really replicate high-end pieces. If there's something that you're drawn to from a high-end designer, walk into a big box store, take photos of those items, you know, print those items and kind of have your lookbook with you. Walk around with your paint swatches. You've just painted your living room a new beautiful color. Be your own interior designer if you're in a situation where you can't hire someone. Take that stuff and just keep shopping. Keep shopping on the internet. There are so many things to consider that a designer may help be able to help you with, especially in terms of scale. But again, we've taught you all, look at the measurements of each piece. Think about longevity is what I say in terms of living with your purchases. I tend to not gravitate towards things that are something that I just really am unsure of if I would still like to be looking at that in a year from now. You don't want to buy anything potentially that's such a huge trend that you'll feel that it's dated quickly. Okay. So definitely on our larger pieces, um, the more expensive pieces, we want to go with just neutrals and then use our accessories and our accent colors and whatnot to kind of play with those trends? Absolutely. For a sofa, I I think looking at colors from nature, looking at neutrals, giving yourself, even if you want a dark uh, fabric, whatever it is, it should be something that is kind of easy on the eyes. I mean, for film and TV, I never look at any pattern or consider any pattern that vibrates even to the naked eye, let alone the camera. Things that work in conjunction with other things like a throw in the winter or lightweight pillows for the summer, pieces that you can change up easily and that merge and kind of blend with things. Where you can take a step on the wild side would be maybe with your rug, accessories, with art, different lighting. I would keep neutral with your window treatments. I personally like window treatments that just fade into the walls on either side of the window. So everything looks like an extension of what you're looking at in general. As far as where you're spending your money, I do really try to encourage my clients to pick one item that's going to get used the most. That's where you make your investment. You know, there are always options. If that's a scary thing, these big ticket numbers to anybody, there are always options. Okay, Beth. So we are going to approach our budget with these six categories. You're going to go through them with us and then help our listeners expect the unexpected because we don't really know how to make these budgets. 
Absolutely. So we're talking always about the walls first, architecture, the walls of the room, whether you're doing paint or, or wallpaper. Paint is the cheapest way, but paint can be surprising and end up being more expensive than you think, especially if you're going for some unusual paint treatment or deeper tones. There has been definitely an increase in paint cost through the pandemic for whatever reason, high usage, everybody's painting away. Always try paint first. It can make such a huge difference. We've talked about creating a jewel box, picking a off color that unexpected, unusual, and taking a risk, going for it. That is one category that you have to budget for, and you have to budget for whether you're going to do that work yourself. It's very important to do the prep work, and that takes a certain budget too. In the film and TV business, we call it expendables. What tools do we need? What tapes? What rollers? You know, any of that stuff. And what do we need to protect our room while we're painting? Don't underestimate any of that. Use the finest stuff that's out there because you don't want to go through painting the whole room and taking that tape off and the lines are not good, you know, and have to do the work again. Second category we're talking about budgeting for in any room are window treatments. And as I've said, that is a category that I encourage money to be spent on. And just the thought of how hanging a curtain rod at a height potentially above your window will extend the height of the room visually. I think that you should spend money on fabrics for draperies. The one positive thing is that there are a lot of stores that are now carrying lines of window treatments. There are stores that strictly do window treatments. There are a lot of ways to order online custom window treatments, not at a, a massive cost. Think about whether you need blackout shades, whether you need things that are lined, what kind of fabric you like. And that is a place where I would up my budget because I don't think people really consider the cost. And of course, you have to multiply it for every window in the room. That's a situation that you have to think about. And, uh, you know, this may be the most basic thing of all to say, but when you're ordering drapes, you need to order two panels of drapes. You need to make sure that you're ordering two panels, one for each side of each window. Our next category is lighting. I know that you could spend our whole budget on lighting. <laughs> I could. I could spend the whole entire budget on beautiful lampshades and many, many, many lamps. Since sometimes that's not an option for people. Again, I am a fan of spending money on a, a decent, good lampshade, purchasing a lower end lamp even a pair of lamps and changing up the lampshade always looks custom, always looks like it was done with intent. And I love that. And we cannot forget the importance of the right light bulb. 
Oh, yeah. Oh. I just ordered. <laughs> I just ordered light bulbs that were supposed to be incandescent, uh, frosted light bulbs, and I was so anticipating my package arriving and <laughs> of course it arrived and they were not frosted and they're the wrong thing and I had to send them back yep still you gotta waiting. be steadfast though that you're not gonna compromise I'm not there's no way Caroline that's I know it. you won't that's it I mean you know I want incandescent light bulbs for my birthday. Lighting is everything to me. That is a place where high-low is so abundant. It's incredibly abundant. And interestingly enough, because I've been looking at a lot of things lately for a job I was just doing, there seems to be more trendy concepts in lighting than I've ever seen. You know, this concept of the exposed bulb, mason jar lights, and a couple of trends that are just infecting everybody's stock of lighting, this, you know, industrial chic. And, you know, think long term. Do you want to be looking at that exposed bulb for the next two or three years or until you ever sell or redo your home again? Even though they're available at the highest price and at the lowest price, I want you all to think about mixing lighting, a, a combination of a dark shade, maybe a one exposed bulb. But in all of these trends, Try not to do the same thing in the whole entire room. That's a good tip, you guys, because I don't think that's something we would think. I think if you are going industrial, you got to stick with industrial. But no, you can mix and match. Mix and match. Mix and match everything, including your new furniture. Don't walk into a store and take what they're showing. Don't take the chair that they're showing that goes with the sofa. Look and see if you can find anything else that you like. I would put money and a lot money into a sofa, into a sleeper sofa, if that's what your needs are for redoing your room. I would think when you're purchasing furniture about multi-use rooms, because even now we're still looking at times ahead that we're going to be working from home and schooling from home. So I think multi-purpose kind of items are still what we need. Tables that have leaves and transform from small to large. If those scenarios cost a little bit more, I still think it's completely worth it. You know, the next category that we're talking about is art. Again, we've discovered today that art can be anything, can come from your framer and be a mirror. Hopefully, while you've been at home, you've been gathering all those things that you've meant to frame. I find that when I take multiple pieces to a framer, they're a little more negotiable on the price. That's a great tip. Don't do it piecemeal. Even if I had to wait, you know, a couple of weeks longer, I would kind of take all my items that I've been telling myself for years, I got to get that framed, pick a, a vendor. That's a place where looking for a, a small business can really help your neighborhood, your small business and you, because that's the kind of vendor that is negotiable and can work with you. And many framers are adept and experienced 
they can help you from a decor standpoint and know what will look good. So I would take photographs with you to show your framer of what room you have in mind to hang the pieces that you're having framed. The amount of times that we look at things sentimentally, like maybe, you know, programs from plays or ticket stubs or, you know, different, even even like a T-shirt from a concert or whatever the thing is that you want, you can elevate it and actually have it be part of your everyday life where you're so excited to see it every day. I think it makes it such a huge difference compared to just going to your local store and buying, you know, one of the many, many, many canvassed pieces of, I'm going to put quotes, art yes. <laughs> that, that are sitting there, you know, because those aren't the things that are really going to make you happy at the end of the day. Yeah, there's so many ways to frame things. You know, you can buy plexi boxes that are able to hold items that are special to you. Those are found easily online. I do a lot of my top layer of life and of uh, decor which I don't know if people really think about, but the art of framing is seriously an art. When you go to a museum and you're looking at a period piece, a painting that was done many, many moons ago, and you're seeing a frame from that period, you know, a beautiful Art Deco piece with a magnificent Art Deco frame, one is enhancing the other. That's something that you can really learn a lot about and become very experienced. I feel like between my work of myself and my framer, I, I've learned and I kind of really cherish those creative times of going in and trying different options. And the more experienced you get, the more you know immediately. It's, it's, it's amazing how you put down the corner, uh, the sample of one frame, and it's so right. Like the bell just goes off, you know, <laughs> ding, 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 you got it. And then you put another corner down. It, it can take away the whole life of a piece of art. So take the time to, to do that, yes, though. Very meaningful to me. And uh, in a way, in the terms of the opposite, you can also pick the simplest frame. You know, let's say that you've redone your room and a lot of your accents are you know, a light wood tone or black. You know, the feet of your furniture and your hanging fixture, your chandeliers, a, a black metal. If you want to continue with that kind of pop that grounds the room, Maybe you want to do a wall of frames that are all black. It's still making a kind of trained eye, creative choice that can really finish off the whole design for a room. We have our last category, miscellaneous. This one is our catch-all. What kinds of things often fall into this category that we need to be aware of when we're trying to create a budget? I'd like to leave a certain part of my budget for any room, for smalls, for those items that you might not think of. You know, let's say that you've purchased a new dining room table, that table runner or placemats, you've purchased a new sofa and you don't like the throw pillows that the item came with. You want something that works in the palette that you've created, a vase, some flowers, whether they're fresh flowers artificial flowers, I would always leave a certain amount for the items that will bring the room together. 
separate from the framing, but, you know, these are the things that come up. But I'm always surprised at things like the cost of plants. We've definitely talked about how live plants, you know, make such a huge difference in a room. People kind of forget to budget that in, that that is important and you'll you'll enjoy that portion. Absolutely. You don't want your home to look like a showroom. There's items that you probably are going to keep and put back from your refresh, your redesign. But there are so many times when the smaller items, whether it's the screen in front of the fireplace or the fireplace tools or something to dress your mantelpiece or something to put on your dining room table, even in sets where a director or the script gives the direction, it's an empty room. I always say to my team, okay, nobody likes to look at an empty room. So we know that's not going to happen. It really is the truth. When all the big pieces are in, when the room is painted and the window treatments are up, the lighting's done, it becomes super apparent where those holes are. That's where I always go back in on a set or at a private client's home where we need just the right thing. Okay, we got the perfect pedestal in the corner, but what we don't have yet is that piece to put on the pedestal. We have the coffee table, but I don't want to just see remote controls on the coffee table. Maybe we need that tray. So leave yourself some budget for those items, which can literally come from a thrift store. They can come to you online. They can come from, you know, a boutique at any price point. You're still going to need those things to pull everything together and and have a unified vision of what you've now created. When you speak about things like the antique store, John Koch, reminding our listeners that relationships with people that work there are is so huge because that is how you are going to get those most magnificent pieces is when they know what you're looking for and you've you've actually taken a moment to express what you're looking for and shown them some things and they can call you and say, hey, this just came in. You should come and check this out. Even when it's smaller accessories, that's something to remember. Make sure you're making those relationships with these smaller shop owners. This is a huge resource for you that you do not want to overlook. Well, it's a win-win because while that's happening, you are developing your own character, your own eye, your own likes and dislikes. That's really important in design. You know, you're becoming who you are as someone who is interested in design, in their environment, who wants to feel comfortable in their home and wants to be surrounded by things that they have an affinity for, that they are drawn to. And that, you'll notice, starts to happen. You know, I I see times in my life and my career of certain pieces, certain colors, what was my collection of the moment or what I seem to always go back to. And I still have some of that around me, you know, some of those areas, Victorian things, certain 
tones of pottery and types of pottery and things that I just love to look at. So no matter how much of a minimalist you are, whether it's one piece or it's, you know, dozens, it's really important to start to allow yourself a way to cultivate what makes you happy in in these items that surround you. So thinking about what makes a homeowner happy and and how to kind of work that relationship between a designer and a homeowner, what do you do with clients when you guys disagree, when you really feel like you have a vision and you can see how something would work so well in a room and they just give you the Heisman arm and are like not willing to go there? You let it go. (laughs) The client is always right. And as definitive as I can be, the client is always right. You know, the client client is the one when the door closes and I come back to looking at my pottery that I like to look at, they're going to be left with what their choice is. I have nothing but respect for people who take a stand and say, you know, I don't like that. I mean, I show people hundreds of fabric swatches and, you know, there'll be one that I'm so committed to, so drawn to. I work so hard to convince them, no, this is the one. You know, they'll look at me and say, I don't like it, Beth. I'm not into that one. (laughs) Nice try. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't even put it back in the bag because I'm still going to try to sneak it in. I try. I try. I, I think, what about pillows in this? If we can't do a whole piece, I get the kibosh one, two, three times. It's out. That's it. I think that people in general know what they want. Ultimately, my job is to give it to them. That's so exciting. And I'm so glad that you had an opportunity to do that for our frontline worker, Katie, this time, because I felt like they deserved it and they did know what they wanted. They did. They were very definitive. Yeah. And so then when you can just help them along, you just sort of link arms with them and take them across the finish line. That has to be so satisfying. Oh, I I got goosebumps from the whole project. They were (laughs) absolute pleasure to work with. And we had certain circumstances that we had to deal with COVID and doing things online, hanging pictures, you know, by photograph. And, you know, they both had a great start. They have a love and respect for decor in general. They're fun. They're young. They're making their forever home or their many years ahead home. They both deserve it. And they both were really, really wonderful to work with. I'm so happy that we were able to incorporate Raymore and Flanagan that we were able to take decorating the set and create a frontline hero contest to begin with. It all turned out beautifully. So listeners, here's our interview with Katie. She's going to go back through some of our exciting renovation moments with Beth and give you guys a little bit of insight on what it's like to have an interior decorator by your side and how much it changes the project. So please enjoy. Hey, Katie, it's Caroline and Beth, and we're so excited to have you on today. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for joining us, Katie. I'm happy to be here. Katie, what was it like to work with a designer? I mean, I think most of us never get that opportunity. And so tell our listeners, what what is that like? What's the process? It was really great. I mean, you see your own house every day and you kind of forget to think outside the box. So it was great having someone from the outside come in and give different ideas that you wouldn't have thought about. And we've honestly gotten so many compliments every time people come and visit and it's probably our best looking room in the house. 
We started this project in the middle of COVID and that brought with it its own challenges. Beth, I'm going to start with you first. I mean, how did you approach this knowing you weren't ever going to be able to see your client or the room in person? You know, I've been doing a lot of that even on set. We've still been doing a lot of work from home. And it's been really interesting to become so adept at just being able to really look at a photo and get the lay of the land. Katie was so great because she photographed her entire downstairs. It really allowed me to see first what her and her husband's style was which was quite lovely. I was really glad we were doing the dining room because the other rooms kind of were a takeoff on on that. One merged to the next. She also sent me a great video. So I, I really started the project with a lot of inspiration from what they had done to the other rooms in their home. And Katie, how about for you? Did you have any concerns about the fact that, you know, we were dealing with COVID and protocol and all that stuff? And how would you possibly capture this room all just via photograph or video and and get information back and forth to Beth? I think once we started doing the videos, it was so much more helpful because I was able to walk through the whole house. You could see how the rooms are connected and just kind of the layout of the house. And it was a good way to depict it as opposed to pictures, which can come in a little scattered and you can't tell like what room is attached to which. And it was great. You know, we did phone calls and between the videos, it really, it really worked out perfectly. The videos gave me scale and perspective, which is incredibly important because if you're just shooting one wall, it can be very deceiving. The first thing that was the most important to me is how much light was in the room and also the palette of the adjoining rooms, which were all pretty neutral. And that inspired me to kind of bring Katie and Andrew along on a little bit of a a risky color choice for the dining room, but it really ended up working out great in the end, I think. Yeah, we get so many compliments on this color. Yeah, I'd love to hear something like that, like a risky color choice. Like, that's very exciting to me. That's what a designer, I feel like, brings to the project. You and me, Katie, are standing in Lowe's, like, with a thousand, you know, little little paint chips being like, I have no idea, and I'm not feeling brave. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Talk to us a little bit about how you got, Katie, out of a comfort zone and and how can you do that for our listeners, basically? What should they be thinking about to feel like, you know, it's okay to take a risk on color? You know, in this particular situation, it wasn't a closed off room. They have beautiful architecture in their in their older home and there were archways that really made a difference and deciding to go with a little bit more of a, a bold yet darker color choice, I really encouraged them to put up a big patch on the wall. Little did I know, but they were not only my client, but my contractor, my painter. You know, they they were so unbelievable in doing all the work themselves. They did start with a little sample and they were ready to take the plunge. That's amazing. And I know we talked about that, Beth, in a previous episode where now some of the paint companies are even giving those really big pieces of of like a sample. 
don't what is that actually called? Oh, it's just an oversized sample that actually comes with a sticky back that's somewhat like removable wallpaper. So you can buy two, three, four of them and put them up in different places and then just peel them off. But it really gives someone who's not very experienced with making color choices the real quick and easy ability to make a choice amongst various different possibilities. I feel like that's all of us that are listening to the podcast. I feel like everybody is like no one near as experienced as Beth is who does this on a daily basis. We're all just like, I have no idea what it's going to look like when the when the lights come on or when when it's like five o'clock in the afternoon. You know, you have no idea. So how did you feel, Katie, when you like started to put up some of this and, and realize like you are going to have to be the painter and the contractor and everything beyond just being the client? This isn't just like a normal interaction where you're just going to turn it over to someone else. Well, for us, it's fun. I mean, we bought this house and it's pretty much a pretty big fixer upper and we did all the work ourselves. Love that. So we like having our blood, sweat and tears in the room and knowing that we did everything ourselves is is fun for us. So what what did you guys think when I said, okay, I'd like you to look at Benjamin Moore's color of the year. It was last year, a G and teal. We thought it was different. And then we're like, you know what? Let's go for it. Outside of our comfort zone is different. And that might just be what the house needs. And turns out it is because this is the room that everyone compliments when they walk in. That's so great. So for our listeners, I'm I'm going to give you this a G and teal, A-E-G. E-A-N Teal, Benjamin Moore, color number 2136-40. And it does come in the peel and stick paint samples. So you can all test it out that way. The most interesting thing I think that happened with Katie and Andrew and myself after the room was painted was there were these two archways in their beautiful home and they were so fastidious in the way that they painted that they didn't paint into the archway. You know, that stayed the white color that it had been. When we went to hang pictures and hang their artwork, I noticed that that little section of the room, that archway hadn't been painted. And I I did give them a tip that I thought that would help kind of enclose this beautiful color into the room. Once they just added that little extra Aegean teal there, it it really worked, right, Katie? It, It just made everything pop. I completely agree. And then on the other way, that archway is our living room, which is like a sand color. So when you're sitting in the living room, you can see that the arch is blue and it just kind of pops the whole room from both ends, the living room and the dining room. So that's that's actually one of my favorite parts of the room. That sounds gorgeous. I'm so looking forward to having these pictures up on Instagram and having all of our listeners get a chance to see some of these before and afters. You know, the color really for me is what I try to do with a lot of my private clients. And sometimes it works out on a set. It's this concept of one room or an entryway really becoming what I call the jewel box. That usually happens with a bold color choice. You know, something that's in one of the smaller rooms, even though in this case, it's, you 
know, a major room, the dining room. But because everything else was so neutral, that really informed both our palette. And I also got a chance to see the style of furnishings that they have in the rest of their home. Very comfortable, livable, Mm -hmm. what we call kind of transitional, not too modern, not too traditional. So that really helped us or helped me certainly when suggesting to them new pieces of furniture for the dining room. I would have never thought to mismatch. I would have picked out a dining room table with the matching server. And it's really cool that we had another set of eyes that had us mismatch the table, the server, and the little cabinet all from Raymore. Ah, that's Beth's specialty, right? Right, because you know how much I have on my, on my list of things not to do is yes. uh, purchase suites of furniture. It worked out great because, again, their home was already filled with eclectic, interesting pieces. We even tried some of their pieces in the dining room and in the end decided to refresh completely and purchase directly new stuff for all three pieces. But, you know, another thing that informed me once again is kind of this, what's your character? You know, who is the person living in this room? And Katie and Andrew told me, you know, they do a lot of entertaining. They have a big family and it was important to them to have extra chairs and seating. And all those things also inform my decision you know how many people can we fit in this in this dining room which will be great on christmas dinner everyone will have a seat and not one of those plastic folding chairs like last year that's so great can you even imagine your family's going to be like what you must be so excited for that reveal yeah definitely they're really going to be surprised people haven't had a chance to have people over you know to entertain with all of covid stuff so is this going to be the first time for most of your family to see it for most of them, yeah, just close families been in and out and they've already been impressed, but Christmas dinner will definitely be a big reveal. You know what, Katie, here's my idea for that. Maybe you should look for some candles that match that Aegean teal. This is just something that I've used before because, again, it's another element like that will glow in the room. She's got these great windows and there's some stained glass in there. But if you pick up the teal color in some other element, whether it's mm-hmm. a runner on your table or some colored candles, that will also kind of unify the whole design. Yeah, definitely. That sounds great. When you sent those pictures, Katie, the first thing I noticed was that stained glass. Knowing Beth over the last two seasons, I was like, Beth is so into lighting. This is going to be fascinating to see what she does considering these stained glass windows. So, Beth, how did lighting come into play, especially with these gorgeous extra elements to the room? I just wanted a softening of the architecture. At first, I was, I think, pushing too much to look for something that matched the walls. The thing I sent Katie the most options on out of furniture, lighting, soft goods were actually curtain choices. And in the end, she picked something, rightfully so, that was sheer, but soft and did the trick. It wasn't like a bedroom where we had to do blackout shades or anything like that. 
we just wanted to soften the architecture. You know, she even has some an area where there's a built-in radiator, and we just kind of draped the curtain to fall off to the side. I think that was a way in which we communicated really well when I sent her links to different options and where, you know, she and Andrew said, this is what we prefer. This is what we like. And that to me, that back and forth was how I love to engage with my private clients, you know, that I was going in one direction and they turned me around in another. (laughs) And in the end, it really, you know, it was, it was a team effort. It really was. Definitely was. Well, and that's so important, Katie, as a homeowner, you know, you want it to be reflective of your own personality, which is complicated when you're dealing with somebody who doesn't know you well. And so that that has to be a very fascinating give and take where you're like, but that's just not something I would ever choose, you know? So how did you deal with that when it came to, to say like lighting? Like, I don't know if there was other fixtures in the room or if you added any other lighting. Was there anything in there that you felt like this either really is what I would choose or... Or, wow, I really had to stretch who I am and what I would choose. Um, it's funny because when Andrew finally saw it all together, especially the pieces from me and Flanagan, he's like, it's funny. This is exactly your style. Like, he's like, I could have seen you walking into Raymore and picking out these three items. That's how well we work together. That's amazing. Well, kudos to you, Beth, that you like picked up on. I I mean, you're a consummate professional, Beth, always. But, you know, I don't know from your side, Beth, is it difficult when you don't really know your client and you don't really get a chance to like sit down at their kitchen table and, and visit with them and really get a sense of them? You know, I think I'm so used to reading a script, breaking it down, learning a new character, starting a new job and applying what I do. It's almost like the room is my client more than my client sometimes. And that room really spoke to me. But but as I engaged with them and, and talked to them, I, I did learn a lot about them because there were places where I didn't want to push any further. And, and those were two important things. Both in lighting, we ended up staying with the same fixture. But in another really serious consideration, which I deal with constantly on set, was budget. They are practical. They are realistic. We valued the gift certificate from Raymore and Flanagan that we got and the assistance that we got. And certainly my decorator discounts were extended to them. You know, Katie was extremely mindful of budget. Once I realized that was, you know, a key element here, that informed some of our decisions. And it was an important part of our decisions. Katie, when you're when you're speaking of budget and especially when you're sitting down with Andrew and you guys are like, okay, we got chosen for this contest and that's amazing. But now, you know, how much are we willing to spend on this room? Did you feel like it was easy to stay within the constraints or did you feel like this was like really difficult to find the things that you wanted and stay within your budget? It's easy in that I don't tell Andrew the budget. <laughs> um, hey, we all hear that. <laughs> you know, so it's really easy when he has no idea what anything costs. I felt like if I truly loved a piece, I didn't mind spending the money because this is our forever home. This is our finished dining room. I'd rather just spend the money and do it how we love it than compromising pay less for a piece that we don't truly love. 
And you guys both felt like Raymore had the selection you guys needed at the different price points so that you really could give her a good a good amount of options, Beth? Absolutely. This was the perfect job for me to shop at Raymore and Flanagan. I went into it knowing their stock and as a set decorator or an interior designer, I, I use them constantly as a vendor. They've acquired so many different looks. It's really you know, kind of one-stop shopping place. Yes, the furnishings, I think, work really, really well with all the other furnishings that they previously had in this room. She had her (laughs) tape measure, and I was relying on both of them to really check that, you know, the things that we were picking out would work, you know, size-wise. It just turned out to be a great scenario, a great fit. The bulk of the furnishings were from Raymore and Flanagan, but I don't, again, think it looks as if we just hit click on a, you know, on a suite of things. And incorporating their things that were in the dining room previously, that turned out great. Some things Katie said, I could let this go. And I said, (laughs) okay, let it go. But then, you know, when we went back to hang the artwork, I did push them, honestly, to get the artwork at a certain height that really just was the top layer of life and the finishing of the entire room. They had Mm -hmm. a painting that works so beautifully. It really does. That's uh, my favorite wall. You know, we also took into account longevity. We didn't get light-colored chairs for the dining room. You know, we, Mm -hmm. we really thought about, okay, these things are going to get some wear and tear and we wanted them Mm -hmm. to hold up. I really didn't want white chairs or anything that, you know, when we do start a family is going to get ruined and destroyed. I wanted something with more substance, a little darker in color that really will make it years and years for us to have in the dining room. How important was that for you? You said this is your forever home and that you're never going to touch this room again. So so do you feel like that durability factor that like, you know, I, I feel you. I just got new chairs and literally I don't think I've let anyone sit on them yet because I'm like, I don't want them messed up. But like, you know, once you find things you really love, it's really hard to actually use it. How are you about even that factor of like using the room now that it's this beautiful jewel box? Are you finding yourself like being able to use all this stuff and not be too afraid of of messing anything up Uh, i want a house that we can live in that we can have family over and not have to worry like you can't touch this you can't sit here the only thing we did do is we actually just bought a clear plastic protector for the table because everyone even though i have placemats kept putting their hot food down on the side of the placemat so i was just getting nervous that the table was going to stain and kind of get grease stains so that's one thing we did just to do just to protect the table a little bit better I love it. We talk a lot about practical things like that, Beth, right? All the time about how can you actually keep things working? And I think it's good for our listeners to understand that when you're working with a designer, that doesn't mean that it's going to be an unlivable, you know, like just this like crystal palace creation that nobody can actually go and use. Was that important to you, Beth, to keep this a room that they could absolutely be in there with little kids and grandmas and dogs and everything? Absolutely. (laughs) Their entire home is comfortable but works for them and their family. And of all the rooms in the house, this gathering place 
like they're going to experience at Christmas time. It was very important to me that it work for them. You know, we could have made other choices if they wanted, you know, to have fewer chair options and all kinds of stuff. But in the end, this was really what they wanted, they needed, and, you know, it was relatively flawless and seamless. You know, it's amazing. I mean, we were literally, they were hanging photos, they were hanging artwork as they were sending me photos. And I would say an inch higher, two inches lower. And, (laughs) you know, I know I was probably driving Andrew crazy, but in the end... (laughs) Who doesn't? It it really... (laughs) worked out so well and you know it was fast part of the Mm -hmm. great thing honestly with Raymore and Flanagan is that they have stock you know right now during COVID continues to be supply chain issues and problems and we got furniture that was in stock and we got the help of my contacts there and it worked out perfectly yeah Raymore and Flanagan was great We want to extend a huge thank you to your husband, Andrew, because he has been a great sport about this. And after all, he was the one that sent that letter in. So I know you must feel great gratitude towards him for entering you in the contest for the Raymore and Flanagan gift card and to have this fantastic time with Beth. Thank you, Beth, for all your time and effort on this one, because I know this has been complicated with COVID and everything. And I'm so glad that Raymore made it so easy with the furniture being so accessible for everybody. Thank you so much for coming on with us today, Katie. Katie, it was an absolute pleasure working with the two of you. I I wish you all the health and happiness in your new dining room. Enjoy the holidays with your family. And if you ever need a decorator, you know who to call. The set decorator by your side. Thank you so, so much. We are excited and definitely will keep you in mind for further projects because, you know, we always have a new project going in this Fixer Upper. We're just so grateful. It's great. And especially now that we can enjoy the holidays in it. And Katie, we're so grateful to you being a frontline worker through this entire pandemic. You deserve our love and our respect and everything that we were able to give both you and Andrew. We appreciate your participation. Thank you. Thank you so much. Many thanks to Katie and Andrew for a fantastic job and a great experience as a decorator. Hey guys, producer Mike here. I'm popping into this podcast just to let you guys know how you can interact with Beth and Caroline even more. I think you hear every week how we tell you to go to Beth's Instagram, at Beth Kushnick on Instagram, and leave her comments, show her your rooms, tell her what you think of the show, ask her questions about your rooms and your lives. You know, take, take advantage of that decorator by your side. And if you guys leave us a great comment and we like it, we may read it on the podcast, just like Marty in Seattle did. Beth, I just love hearing about your job. So much thought and creativity goes into these sets. I never thought about any of this before I started listening to your podcast. Well, Marty in Seattle, thank you so much for listening. And I know I speak on behalf of Caroline and Beth and me and everyone here at Pod Clubhouse. We really appreciate you listening every week. Guys, send us those comments. Send us those five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, maybe we'll read your comment live on the show. Beth, I'm super excited for season three. We have some amazing guests and some fantastic topics that I know are going to tickle our listeners' brains because they're going to want to get decorating the second they finish listening. It's going to be our best season ever, and I'm really, really excited. 
Thank you so much for listening to Decorating the Set from Hollywood to Your Home. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Please leave a five-star review. It helps a lot in the promotion of the show. Five stars, people. Decorating the Set from Hollywood to Your Home is an original Pod Clubhouse production. Recorded, edited, and produced at Pod Clubhouse Studios. For more information, please visit us online at podclubhouse.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Decorating the Set at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening.